Welcome to The Forge, the official podcast of Blacksmith Ministries. Podcasts have played a crucial role in the development of my spiritual life, and I pray these messages will do the same for you. My sincere desire is that these messages will awaken a passion for Jesus inside of you. Today's episode is entitled Grasshopper Vision. I recently taught a class at Ambassadors Bible College at Solid Rock Church in Birmingham, Roll Todd, Alabama. Under the tutelage, the guidance, the vision of Bishop Larry and Pastor Sandy Ragland. They're an amazing couple. I love them so much. I honor them. They are a gift to the body of Christ. They have vision to see the kingdom of heaven on the earth, not only in Solid Rock Church, but every church that proclaims Jesus as king. They have a vision to see pastors equipped and empowered and sent out all over the earth to bring the message of hope and glory to God. It's an amazing connection that I have, an amazing relationship, and I thank God for them. They have a Bible college called Ambassador Bible College that strengthens, that equips, that empowers members of their own local church to serve the church in a greater capacity and prepare them for ministry. It's amazing. They also have a network called Ambassadors Network where other churches, other pastors, other ministries can send members there to get them trained and equipped it just is a great vision. I'm so honored to be a part of it. I recently taught a class for the second-year students, and it was based on a book called The Power of Vision by George Barna. It's an amazing book. It tells us that God gives us a vision for our lives and ministry and propels us forward. It also shows a connection between vision and leadership, and we even see that in the Bible in the book of Habakkuk, where God tells the prophet Habakkuk that he has to write the vision. He has to make it plain so that those who read it will run with it. So God gives the leader a vision for the ministry. The leader is then responsible to communicate and write the vision to make it plain for everybody so that those who are following the vision, they can embrace the vision, they can put it on their shoulders and run with it. That's God's plan for vision it's a great class, but as I began, the Holy Spirit began to lead me to start the class to speak about another dimension of vision that was outside of the chapters of the book that I was instructing that night. He wanted to speak on another avenue of vision, and it's the subject of today's episode called Grasshopper Vision. Grasshopper Vision, there's two distinct narratives in the Old Testament that I'd like to communicate today about Grasshopper Vision. So if you turn your Bibles with me, 1 Samuel chapter 9, this is where we are in the history of Israel. They had been led by prophets and judges, and the system had become broken. The prophets, there were very few prophets and judges that were holy, sold out to God, that loved God. Samuel being the last one, his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were wicked and they were corrupt. And the people just didn't want to tolerate the corrupt leadership, and that will preach. So they begged God for a king. Samuel, his heart was broken because he knew God's heart was for a man to be wholly given over to him, completely centered as Samuel was surrendered to God, that that was God's way of leading. But God decided that he would honor their request. He realized that Israel was in bondage, that they were in rebellion, but he was going to give them what they asked for in a king. Saul was chosen by God to be the first king of Israel. And that is amazing, to be the first of anything. But can you imagine the pressure that Saul was under to be the first king of Israel, 
a king over a nation, and they're God's own chosen people. You talk about pressure, trying to measure up in your own mind. That is an enormous task to lead God's chosen people as the first king. Sometimes I think Saul gets a bad rap. Not We don't understand where Saul came from. Saul didn't attend the University of Alabama Leadership School. He didn't have the option to attend any of John Maxwell's leadership seminars. He didn't read the book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. He didn't have the education. He didn't have the pedigree. He didn't have the family support, as we'll get into a little bit into this podcast, to be king, yet God chose him. God told Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse number 16, this is what the Lord said to Samuel, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and he sh- and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. God chose Saul to be king. Saul didn't have a special campaign. He didn't win a special election. He wasn't chosen by his peers. He was hand-picked by God to be king. What an amazing honor. Even though Samuel's heart was broken because he knew that God's heart at this period of time in Israel's history was that there would be a pure and holy man that would be a prophet that was completely surrendered to God, that that's how God wanted to lead, but that system had broken and now there was a transition. So Samuel gets the honor of delivering the message to Saul that the Lord has chosen you to be the first king, the commander of my people, because I care about my people so much. I see how the Philistines are oppressing them, and I'm going to lift you up, Saul. You're going to do something no one has ever done before, Saul. You're going to be king, and you're going to deliver my people. That is an amazing day. That is an amazing day to be promoted that way by the Lord himself. And so this is the news that gets delivered to Saul by Samuel. We're still in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse number 20. Saul had been on a journey looking for his father's donkeys when he runs into Samuel the prophet, and it's all designed by God. So this is what Samuel says to Saul in verse number 20. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and all your father's house? He's basically saying, don't worry about this current assignment that you're on, because the Lord's got a bigger one for you, and it's going to blow your mind. He's chosen you to be king. The greatest day in Saul's life, he is doing a very minimal assignment, looking for his father's lost donkeys. He had no idea that God had chosen to be king, and he had no idea that he was about to encounter the prophet, and the prophet was going to tell him about this. He thought he was going to look. The prophet was going to tell me where the donkeys were. And the prophet of the Lord says, Saul, you're going to be king. The greatest day of Saul's life. I mean, that's a good day. You're handpicked to be king. What a responsibility. Saul must have been thinking, oh my goodness, what confidence God has in me. But that was not his response. This is what Saul said in response to all of that in verse 21. And Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjamite? 
of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family the least of the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? Saul's vision of himself was clearly not king material. But it's just so amazing because in the first few verses of chapter 9 in 1 Samuel, it describes that Saul, in verse number 2, that he was the most handsome person in all of Israel, and from his shoulders upward he was taller than any of his people. He was the most handsome person in the land. He was the tallest person in the land. He just won Man of the Year by People magazine. He looks the part. His, he's got all the charisma. He's got the look. What else does he need? I mean, he clearly has all the physical attributes to be king, yet he couldn't see himself that way. What in the world is going on? Why couldn't Saul see himself the way God had? Clearly, we're seeing what the Bible says about Saul. He was the most handsome man. He was taller than anybody else. God said, I have chosen him to be my commander to deliver my people. That is, what more can you say? Yet Saul's vision of himself was grasshopper vision. He saw himself as a grasshopper when he was a giant. He had it all, yet he saw himself as small. His vision of himself ultimately lost him the kingdom. Had Saul had the ability to see himself the way God saw him, Jesus, Jesus, the Son of the living God, Jesus the Messiah, when he was on the earth, he probably would have been called Jesus, Son of Saul, have mercy on me. The highest honor that we would have is to bring the message of Jesus to the earth. And it could have been Saul. How many times do people call Jesus the son of David? Even in Matthew, in the genealogy, where it talks about this is the genealogy of, genealogy of Jesus the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Wherever he went, people called him the son of David. Had Saul had a vision of himself that God gave him, as opposed to having grasshopper vision, they could have been calling Jesus the son of Saul. The son of Saul, have mercy on me. Yet he couldn't think himself the way that God did. And it's crazy to me how Saul, why in the world was Saul thinking like that? Here's what happens is what I believe. When we don't have God's vision of how he sees us, then we become dependent on others' vision for us. Who was in Saul's ear? I can guarantee you probably somebody, probably his father, told him that he was insignificant, that he was a mistake, that he wouldn't amount to anything. Saul had told Samuel that his family was the smallest family in the tribe of Benjamin. When we hear something long enough, even if it's not true, even if it's a lie, we tend to believe it. This tells me, this statement that he says he's the smallest family in the tribe of Benjamin tells me that someone in his family, likely his father, told Saul, you're never going to amount to anything. You were a mistake. You're insignificant. You're not important. Has anybody ever been told that before? How long before you begin to believe it? Saul saw himself as a grasshopper when he was a giant because his father kept telling him that he was insignificant. People in his family said, you're never going to amount to anything. You're just going to be a servant. You're just going to go look for donkeys. You're just going to do insignificant things. You're going to not do anything great for the country. You're not going to do anything great for God. 
This is what happens when people in our lives tell us how small and insignificant we are. It's not true. We've got to have God's vision for our lives. We are not grasshoppers. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Yet Saul believed a lie. My goodness, why didn't somebody tell Saul how great he was? He was the bet the Bible, the Bible. Now that's a pretty good authority. Says he was the best looking man in the world. Why didn't somebody tell him? Why didn't somebody give him a mirror? Why didn't say, Saul, you're killing it, brother? You can do it. But instead he saw himself as small. So instead of having God's vision of himself, he had grasshopper vision. And he saw himself as small when he was a giant. All right, let's look at the second example of grasshopper vision that we find in the Old Testament. I'm going to read some names, some Hebrew names, to see if we recognize them. And if I butcher these names, I deeply apologize. Has anybody heard of Shumua, Shaphat, Yigal, Palti, Gadiel, Gaddi, Amiel, Shether, Nabi, Geiwel. Probably not because the way I pronounced them, so probably nobody recognizes their names. But if I had pronounced them correctly, you still probably wouldn't know who they are. What about Joshua and Caleb? Yes, we know Joshua. We knew Caleb. We know them very well. These other ten names that I just read and butchered their names, they're in the Bible too. I mean, Joshua has a whole book recording his narrative with God, his history with God, and how God used him to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. But what about these other ten guys? They're listed in the Bible, but how come we don't know them? Well, let's investigate and find out. In Numbers chapter 13, we see that Israel, and their history, this is before Saul, have just come out of the land of bondage, the house of torment in Egypt for 400 years. God has supernaturally delivered them over and over and over and over. He's displaying his power in Egypt and he's sending the plagues. The children of Israel are in the land of Goshen and they're protected. The Egyptians are just tormented because Pharaoh's heart was hardened, would not let the people go to worship them in the wilderness. I tell you what, I can only imagine what it was like to be 400 years in bondage and then be supernaturally set free. And not only that, but they crossed the Red Sea and how God parts the Red Sea for the children of Israel. And then when Pharaoh and the chariots come in and the Red Sea is released back to normal and, and overthrows the rider and the horses, it's just an amazing story of deliverance. Now they're upon the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and they're upon it. God has told them to go in and take the land. Moses decides to send in 12 spies, one from each tribe. And I just read you the representative from each of the 10 tribes, along with Joshua and Caleb. They go into the land of Canaan for 40 days to spy out the land. Now listen to this. They saw the same land. They saw the same people, the same houses, the same armies, the same wilderness, the same streams, the same food. They all saw the same thing. Ten of them, the ten names that I butchered, came back and gave a negative report. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, We are more than able 
to take possession. God will strengthen us. He's given us word to go. We're going in and take the land. But the ten, the ten spies gave a negative report. And this is what they said in Numbers chapter 13, verses 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Caleb, a few verses earlier, said, let's go up at once and take possession for you're well able to overcome it. God has supernaturally delivered us in the land of Egypt. Don't you remember all of the plagues? Don't you remember when he opened up the Red Sea and then how he closed it on top of Pharaoh? We are more than able because of God. He is on our side. This is what he called us to do. What is the difference? They saw the same thing. The ten spies saw the same thing that Joshua and Caleb did. Why was the report so different? Because the spies saw themselves as grasshoppers. They said, not only are we grasshoppers in our own sight, we're grasshoppers in our enemy's sight. When we have grasshopper vision, our enemy always looks larger than life. He always looks larger than he really is, but it's not true. We cannot have grasshopper vision we cannot see ourselves as small and insignificant. We can't see ourselves as small that we're from the smallest tribe and the smallest family. God has empowered us with his word. God has empowered us through faith in Jesus. He's empowered us through the Holy Spirit. We have everything that we need. We are not small and we are not insignificant. We are not grasshoppers. We're giants. God has called us to bring his kingdom to the earth. But when we have grasshopper vision... We limit ourselves. Had the children of Israel listened to Joshua and Caleb, had they listened to the two, they would have gone in and take the land. The entire narrative of the Bible would have been different. I firmly believe we have wilderness seasons because of grasshopper vision. We go through dry seasons in our lives because we can't see ourselves and ultimately we can't see how big our God really is. <laughs> he said in the book of Romans, I am for you and I've made you more than conquerors. What in the world are we lacking? What in the world are we afraid of? We've got to let this grasshopper vision go so we can embrace the vision of how God sees us. God sees us as sons and daughters and he's a good father. And how will he not give us all these things that not only our hearts desire, but his hearts desire? So let me pray for you as I end this episode. Father, forgive us for seeing ourselves as grasshoppers. Father, forgive us for seeing our enemy larger than he really is. Father, give us the vision. Give us the ability to see ourselves and one another as you see us, that you see us as sons and daughters, as your beloved children, and how much you love us, and that we lack no good thing, that you are good and your mercy endures forever, and that goodness and mercy from you will follow us all the days of our life, that we're not small, we're not insignificant, but we're giants to you in Jesus' name. Friends, I pray this message blesses you and challenges you to see yourself as God sees you. Do not see yourself as a grasshopper. Do not see your enemy larger than he is. The enemy is defeated. He is underneath your feet and he will resist the enemy and he will flee from you. 
Have a great afternoon, and God bless.